Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Woohoo! Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to uh, Coastal Community Church. Welcome those of you who are here in person and uh, welcome to the many who are watching online. Thanks for tuning in and engaging with us today. Hey, just a couple of quick things before we uh, jump into today's message. Scott might have seemed like he was moving a little slow, talking a little slow, and, and it's really just because his 40th birthday is this Friday. So yeah, we need to just be praying for Pastor Scott, send him some condolences, whatever you want to do. Just we forgot to mention that this morning in VIP. He, he strategically forgot to mention it. And then he, he, he made a mistake by reminding me that it was. Like, oh yeah, that's right, I need to. So anyway, welcome uh, everybody. Hey, the other thing, uh, and maybe this is gonna make those of you who are watching online a little bit jealous today of not being here in person. And uh, that is today, uh, Matt and Kathy Beam, who lead our cafe, have kind of opened, kind of a soft opening um, of our cafe. The Politos are back there, a couple volunteers, their family, and um, so instead of the normal, uh, you know, free-for-all, grab-and-go, and food, and like 12 flavors of coffee, and all of that, uh, today, uh, you place an order, uh, just like you might uh, at, you know, at Starbucks, and uh, we only have three offerings today, uh, regular coffee, decaf, and I think the flavor is caramel, caramel, whatever you say, so uh, just go up to the counter, place your order, they will hand it to you, fix it for you. They're wearing masks. They're wearing gloves. And uh, I appreciate Matt and Kathy uh, being willing to adjust and uh, adapt and uh, off, get, keep all of you caffeinated. So I'd like to thank them for, uh, for doing that today. So on your way out, make sure you stop by and pick up some coffee. So today we are in week four of this series, This Is My Year. So let me ask you, how is your year going so far? 2021, right? Because guess what? Are you ready for this? Today is the last day of January already. January 31st, one whole month of 2021 has already come and gone. Is that crazy or what? So let's talk about it, you know? Let's talk about what we've been talking about so far in our series. Have you already started taking those next steps spiritually? Um, are you forgiving people in your life? Uh, releasing them and setting them free? Are you learning to be a better lover? Serving, sacrificing, and sharing. Those are some of the things uh, that we've talked about so far in this series. Now, now, granted, those are not the typical things uh, that you talk about when you begin a new year. You know, whether we call them resolutions or goals, uh, typically when you start out a new year, we'll talk about things like uh, getting healthy, uh, losing weight, uh, getting organized, getting out of debt. Uh, so we decided to kind of come at this new year a little bit differently and uh, from a different angle. And so today is no different. Here it is. 2021, this is my year to learn to be content, to learn to be content. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says this, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Now, we are not a content people, are we? I mean, it's almost like embedded into our DNA. We, we are never satisfied with what we have. We are so busy, in fact, getting more and more and more that we really don't have time uh, to enjoy what we've got, as God's word says. In fact, let's be honest, we, we've really bought into this myth that having more stuff, 
will make me more happy. Let me ask you a question. How many of you uh, bought a lottery ticket recently when the grand prize reached almost a billion, not M, million, but a billion dollars? Raise your hand. How many of you? I mean, come on, you can't lie in church. You're going straight to hell if you lie, right? In church. Now, so I'll be honest with you, Pastor Chris bought one. I did. You know, just one. You know, you, you can't win if you don't what? You don't play. Okay, I don't. Anyway, uh, now, but let me ask this question. How many of you play the what would we do if we won the lottery game? You ever play that game? Yeah, right? You know, it's kind of a fun little game to play sometimes. Now, here's the real question, though. How many of you, when you play the what would we do if we won the lottery game, how many of you always include the church? You know, you would like pay off the, the building, you start the new building, you'd tithe. Raise your hand. Okay, keep them up. Hold on, hold them. Okay, we just got your picture. Okay, no. I'm just joking. Anyway, now, listen, I do not necessarily believe that by buying a $2 lottery ticket, you know, once or twice a year, or playing the, what would we do if we won the lottery game, proves that we are discontent. However, we'll do some crazy stuff for money, won't we? In fact, um, a number of years ago, a Chicago radio station offered $10,000 to the individual who could devise the most uh, outlandish way uh, to receive the money. So more than 6,000 people responded, and the eventual winner was Jay Gwaltney of Zionsville, Indiana, who consumed, who ate an 11-foot birch tree, leaves, roots, bark, everything. The Indiana State sophomore, which probably explains some of that, anyway, began chomping, starting at the top of the tree, working his way down, branch by branch by branch, and, and you know, to the roots. The only extra flavoring that he used was some French dressing. And uh, the only thing he complained about was a little bit of an upset stomach later on. In fact, uh, consuming the tree took him 18 hours over a period of three days days. Wow. Now, I might be out on a limb here, <laughs> pun intended, uh, but eating a tree, you know, for $10,000 seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? But let me ask you this. What would you be willing to do for, let's say, $10 million? $10 million. Well, in their book, The Day America Told the Truth, authors James Patterson and Peter Kim uh, revealed some shocking statistics on just how far people would go, uh, uh, how far people in this country would be willing to go for money. So when they asked, what would you do, not for 10000 but for $10 million, here's what they reported. 25% said they would abandon their entire family 23% would become prostitutes for a week or more. 16% would give up their American citizenship. 16% would leave their spouses. They, I mean, come on, they already had marriage problems already, right? I mean, okay, but 10% said they would withhold testimony and let a murderer go free. 7% said they would kill a stranger. And you ready for this, parents? 3% said they would put their children up for adoption. 
Oh my goodness. Now, what does any of that have to do with today's message? All I think it does is show, listen, we really are living in an age of discontent. I mean, all the time you run into people, you know people who are unhappy, unfulfilled, and unsatisfied. And they are searching. They are searching for anything or anyone, something that will fill the void in their life. And yet I believe that you can learn contentment. You can discover contentment. In fact, Philippians 4, 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul put it this way. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So let me give you a simple definition, a working definition of contentment today. Contentment means my happiness is not dependent on my happenings, okay? In other words, my contentment, my, my, my happiness is not based on my happenings or my circumstances. My, my satisfaction in life is not based on my, my situation. But so many times people get caught up in this, uh, you know, when and then thinking. Well, when I get this, when this happens, then I will be happy. When I get to a certain level financially, when I get a certain job, when I retire, then I'll be happy. When we get a house, when we get the house paid off, when I get married, when we have kids, when the kids are out of school, then I'll be content, then I'll be happy. And listen, the, the truth is, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because if you are not content now, once you get there, there's always gonna be something else. You see, contentment comes from within. Now, how do we get that kind of contentment? Well, Paul says here, I've learned. In fact, he says it twice. I've learned to be content. I've learned the secret. Listen, contentment is something that we do have to learn. It's not instant. It's not something that poof, comes you know, at the moment of salvation or a one-time experience. In fact, life really is a school of contentment. The problem is though, most people, many people today, never learn that lesson. And so they die unfulfilled and unsatisfied. Well today, I wanna help you make 2021 a better year. And I want to look at three lessons that if you'll learn these lessons, they can help produce contentment in your life. So number one, if I want to learn how to be content, I've got to learn to avoid comparisons. I've got to avoid comparisons. Comparing yourself to others will always lead to discontent. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone uh, looking at model homes? Model homes, right? And then you go back home to your shack, right? You know? Um, you know, if you want to learn to be content, you've got to avoid comparisons. Listen, there will always be people who make more money than you do, have greater opportunities, have a bigger home. That should have no bearing whatsoever on you and your life and your own personal contentment and satisfaction. So stop comparing. Let me give you three misconceptions about happiness that I think are important to learn if we're gonna to learn to be content. The first misconception is this. I must have what other ha others have to be happy. 
I must have what other ha- others have to be happy. Have your kids ever said this? But mom, but dad, all the other kids what? Have one. We do the same thing as adults though, don't we? Everybody else has got it, so I gotta have it. That really is the myth behind all fads and fashion. If other people are wearing it, driving it, doing it, then I gotta have it as well. Second myth, I must be liked by everyone in order to be happy. I must be liked by everyone to be happy. No, you don't. You know, so so many people waste so much valuable time trying to win the approval of other people. Usually other people they don't even care about and care less about them. Listen, listen to this. Even Jesus, the Son of God, could not please everyone. And you ready for this? You're not Jesus, and neither am I. The fact is, you don't need everybody's approval to be happy. Third misconception about happiness is that having more will make me more happy. That's not true either. Somebody once said that happiness is not getting what you want, but wanting what you have. 1 Timothy 6 6 and 8 says, but godliness with what? What's the word? Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know what? I've had the honor, the privilege of being in the delivery room for the birth of both of my children. And uh, I want you to know that that verse right there is true. Like neither of my kids brought anything into the world. I mean, Christopher didn't pop out with a guitar. You know, Lydia didn't have a book. You know, we, we, we all come into this world with nothing. And you know what? You're gonna leave this world with nothing. Uh, in college, in Bible college, um, I had to take a uh, practical ministries class, which among other things, uh, you know, we talked about performing weddings and funerals and some of the you know, practical things of ministry. And uh, we took, I guess what you would call a field trip to a funeral home, actually a mortuary and a funeral home. And uh, did you know that they make suits for people who die, I mean, like if you don't, if you don't provide, if you're a male and you, you don't, you know, in uh, somebody, a loved one dies and you don't have, you know, clothes for them to be buried in, they they will provide um, a burial suit, a burial suit. And can you guess what the only difference is between their burial suit and another suit? You know what it is? Burial suits don't have what? Don't have pockets. I mean, they look like they do, but they're just faux. They're just false. Why? Because you don't need them. You know, you can't take anything with you. So what is, you know, what's he saying here? What's God saying in Scripture? He's saying that all of your possessions, they're only temporary. They're just loaned to you. Now, you get to enjoy them, you get to use them while you're here on earth, and as a believer, we get to leverage them for the kingdom of God, all of it. But guess what? They're not gonna last. So it's crazy then to to have an obsession with possessions and comparing yourself to others. Lesson number two. If we're going to be content in life, I gotta learn to adjust to change. I have to learn to adjust to change. I mean, if there's a lesson that we needed to learn in 2020 and now here we are in 2021, it's this one. Life is full of ups and downs. 
It's full of the unexpected. I mean, how many of you would agree with that, right? Ups and downs, the unexpected. I mean, emotionally, physically, mentally, financially. I mean, it's possible that this week, you know, you feel like you're on, on top of the heap, and then next week, the heap is on top of you. You know, you, you hit the home run this week in some way, but next week, you strike out. This week, you're the hero. Next week, you're the zero. There is so little in this life that is certain, except for this one thing I know for sure is certain. And that's change. Change is certain. So the question for you and me is this. How well do you handle change? Do you like change? I mean, how well do you handle when things get shaken up a little bit? Do you get scared? Moody? Angry? Uptight? Paul says that one of the secrets of learning to be content in life it's this ability to adjust to the, the, the different circumstances and, uh, and change in life. I mean, you know, when I think about all the change that this church, our, you know, our church family, has been through this past year, or, or the last five years, I mean, it, it's incredible. And I know that those changes are gonna continue to come as we keep growing and reaching people and as the world in which we live in becomes more and more unstable? I mean, how do you handle that? You see, like it or not, your happiness in life is largely dependent on your ability to adapt and adjust and be flexible. Because change is coming whether you like it or not. In fact, look what Paul says again in verse 12. Look at it one more time. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's he saying? Again, well, go back to our definition of contentment. Paul's basically saying, hey, guys, listen. I, I, I've had good times. You know, I've experienced bad times. But I have learned to be independent of my circumstances. Again, that's our definition. You know, and, and remember when Paul writes this, he's old, he's lonely, he's in prison awaiting possible execution. I mean, you talk about a lockdown, a shutdown, a quarantine. He's experiencing it. And Paul basically says, listen, none of that really matters though. Because no matter what I go through, no matter what people do to me, they can't take away my contentment because that's a choice. Because I am ultimately, I am independent of my circumstances. Listen, here's what I want you to hear today. That's freedom. That's real freedom. When you can say, hey, I'm not controlled by my circumstances. I'm not controlled by other people. You know, when somebody says, how are you doing? You ever hear people respond, well, I'm okay, under the circumstances. What are you doing under them? Choose to live above them. You see, there are three kinds of circumstances in life. There are circumstances that you can change and you can control, and, and you do. Quite frequently, you know, you don't like the show on the television, you change the channel. You're hungry, you get something to eat. But there are also circumstances that you can control, you can change, but you don't. People say, well, you know, I need money, but, 
you know, I don't have a job, you know, maybe the government will bail me out, right? So I'll just be content with what I have. Listen, that's not contentment, that's complacency. That's laziness. You know, if you can control and you can change a situation, then you don't need contentment. You need to get up off your blessed assurance and do something. You do. But then there are circumstances that you can't control. And that's where you need contentment. And things that are beyond your power, that are uncontrolled circumstances. I mean, you've done your very best, you've worked your hardest, and it's still out of your hands. That's where you have to learn to relax and you've got to trust God. You avoid those comparisons and you learn to adjust to change. By the way, let me give you a little, I guess kind of on a little side note here, let me give you a, one of the keys, I think, to learning to adjust in life. It's not a, not a blank on your outline. I want to write this down, though. It's a sense of humor. A sense of humor. I, you know, I've noticed the people who seem to be the most emotionally balanced and stable in life are those who have developed a keen sense of humor with the ability to laugh at themselves and even find some humor in their, in their circumstances. I think that's crucial in learning, learning to adjust because if you don't adjust and adapt, eventually you'll, you'll break. You'll break down or you'll burn out. Because circumstances of life demand flexibility. A third lesson we got to learn in order to be content this year. And this is probably the most important. I must learn to access Christ's power. I've got to access Christ's power. You see, instead of depending on my own effort, my strength, and my energy to make it through circumstances, i got to learn to draw on the power of God, the power of Christ. You know, this is one of the most famous, most quoted verses in the entire Bible. Philippians 4.13. Listen to it one more time. For I can do some things through Christ who gives me strength. That's not what it says, is it? Those of you who know me, you knew I was going to do that, right? That's not what it says. For I can do what? What does he say? Everything, all things through Christ who gives me strength. That means you can handle it when your kids are out of control. That means you can handle it when you lose that job. You can handle it when there's you know, tough times in your marriage. You can hang tough in the, in the middle of a pandemic. Why? Because I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Not depending on your own power, but depending on God's power. How do you know when you're not doing that, though, and you are depending on your own power? your own strength, your own power. I'll give you one, one telltale sign. You're exhausted. You know, are, are you worn out today? Not all the time, but many times fatigue and burnout come when you're just trying to live life in your own power and your own strength and not from the power of God. Listen to this passage from the Amplified Bible. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident 
peace. Remember what it means to be content? Independent of my circumstances. I am self-sufficient, not in and of myself, but in Christ and in his sufficiency. Are you facing a problem this week? Paul says, listen, I'm ready for anything. I can handle anything. I am confident. You see, satisfaction in life, happiness, contentment, not only comes from you know, being content, but being confident. It comes from confidence. And that confidence comes not from you and your power and your accomplishments, but from Christ's power and what he accomplished on the cross. You know, it's interesting. The, the Greek word here for strength in this, in this verse is the word dunamis. And uh, it's the word from which we get our English word for dynamite or dynamo. You know what a dynamo is? Well, besides your three-year-old, okay, a, a dynamo is something that gives continuous energy. And so Paul is saying, Jesus is the dynamo of my life. He gives me continuous energy. I don't run out. I am confident, competent, and capable to cope with the circumstances of life because I draw on the power of Christ. Now, listen, that does not mean that as a believer that you're not gonna face struggles, that you're gonna live a storm-free life. No. In fact, remember where Paul was when he wrote these words. He's in prison, and not only that, Paul evidently had some sort of ongoing uh, problem or struggle that he actually prayed for God to remove. He called it his thorn in the flesh. But guess what? God didn't remove it. Instead, I want you to look how, how God responds. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But God said to me, my grace is what? Sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, about my deficiencies, so that Christ's power may rest on me. On your outline, circle the word sufficient there. This is so cool. The word there for sufficient is actually the same word in Greek for the word contentment in Philippians. In other words, Sufficiency is contentment. Why? Well, again, because contentment ultimately is independence from my circumstances. And God will allow us to go through problems and hardships and storms in this life so that we can learn contentment and his power can be on display through us. You see, what I'm getting at, what I'm driving at here today is the real reason people can't find contentment is that Jesus is not the center of their life. And, and, and they're looking for fulfillment, satisfaction in all the wrong places. And they will run from this to that, searching for anything, something that's going to satisfy. They'll go from relationship to relationship, job to job, ho hobbies to sports to recreation to fads to books to seminars, anything. Looking for something when God's laid it out so clearly. Listen, we were all created with this God-shaped vacuum in our life that nothing else is ever gonna fill. Nothing will fill that void except for a personal relationship with him through faith in Christ. 
And when you try to find satisfaction and contentment in anything else other than Jesus, you'll discover that it's never going to last and you'll never be content. See, I actually believe that God wants you to have a fulfilling, satisfying, abundant life. In fact, he said it. In John 10.10, Jesus said, the the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say an abundant life, life to the fullest. Man, that's what God wants for you. But the only way you're ever going to discover that in life is learning that satisfaction is only found in him. Contentment. Look at the outline today. You know, which one of these three lessons do you, uh, do you need to learn today? Or maybe relearn? How about that first one? Have you learned, you know, the foolishness of constantly comparing yourself to others? Listen, when you compare yourself to other people, it's going to make you jealous, envious, prideful, or miserable. Be what God's called you to be. Do what God's called you to do. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, what's what's the saying today? People say, hey, you be you. You do you. How about the second lesson? How well do you adjust to change? How flexible are you with the ups and downs of life? Listen, sure, if you can change your circumstances, do it. Remember, contentment is not complacency or laziness. But contentment also doesn't mean that you always like the situation that you're in right now. You know? You don't hear the Apostle Paul saying, "Woohoo! I'm in prison. I love me some prison food. Right? I mean, he doesn't say that. Contentment is not psych yourself up and pretend that you, you know, that you like something when you really don't. That's not contentment. That's silliness. But contentment is saying this. No matter what I face, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, with the power of Christ in me. I can handle it. I can face it. That's lesson three. I can handle anything, all things. I am I'm sufficient for every situation. I am equal to everything. I can master anything with Christ's power in me. Let me close by asking you this question. Are you exhausted today? Some of you, some of you are to the point where you're saying, God, I just feel like giving up. I'm done. And maybe, just maybe, God brought you here today to say this to you. Great. I've got you just where I want you. Maybe today's the day that you'll surrender and you'll start looking to me and I can fill you. I can infuse you with my power. That's the secret of contentment. 2021, this is my year to learn to be content. I pray that it is. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your holy word. And uh, 
Father, I thank you today for the reminder that our contentment, our satisfaction, our fulfillment in life, ultimately, it is found in you. Father, I believe that there are, there are people in this room, there are people who are watching, who are exhausted. And it's because they're trying to live life in their own strength or, or they're running from thing to thing, person to person, just chasing after stuff and things and relationships that ultimately are never going to satisfy. Listen, if you're ready to end that search today and to find the one and the only one who can meet all of your needs, give you the power that you're missing, forgive you of your sin, provide a home in heaven for all eternity. Today's your day. Today's the day that you come home. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I admit it. I have, I've been chasing after the things of this world and I've been living life in my own strength and my own power. And today I say enough, I stop. Today, God, I want to live for you. Today, I, I want you and your son Jesus right at the center of my life. So I admit my, my sin, I admit who I am, and I humbly ask your son Jesus to come into my life, to forgive me, to lead me. I believe, I believe he's your son. I believe he went to the cross for me. I believe he rose from the dead and he is alive. And today, I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. And Father, for those who are here today who have already made that decision, Father, sometimes we need to be reminded that, um, you know, to avoid those comparisons, uh, to live in your strength and your power, uh, to be willing to adjust to change and to be flexible and to adapt. And Father, we just need to be reminded to, to give you every part of our life and to find our, our contentment ultimately in you. We love you, Father, and we pray these things today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.